0: .NET Rocks episode 967 with guest John Papa, recorded live Monday, March 31st, 2014. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, developing the next generation of apps for touch, Motion, gesture, and sensor inputs. Online at franklins.net. And now here are Carl and Richard.
1: Thanks very much. Welcome back to DotNet Rocks, Carl and Richard. Hey man, what's up?
0: What can I tell you? You know, plunking along this uh, three DotNet Rocks a week has got people a little freaked out on the Twitters. Yep, it's fun. That's a lot of DotNet Rocks. It's not an April Fool's joke. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. It's not. It's definitely (laughs) not. Well, we're glad to do it, and uh, fun fun to be here all week long. Yeah, and just started up a perfect timing, too, right? Right at the beginning of April, we started doing it. So there you go. There you go. Hey, run the music. I got something for you. Awesome. <laughs> what do you got? Well, you know, this is Better Know a Framework. It started as a little way that I could shine a light on a portion of the .NET framework you might not know about, and it's turned into just a spotlight of something cool uh and this is definitely cool there's a 64-bit version of the mozilla firefox source code available on codeplex it's called waterfox no kidding waterfox.codeplex.com started in 2011 as one of the very first 64-bit distributions of mozilla firefox and it's quickly grown to be one of the most popular versions and uh, it is one of the most popular downloads on codeplex right now wow 64-bit Firefox, man. And it's the code.
0: So check it out. That's amazing. Yeah, I can't believe this even exists, but I guess it makes sense. Mm. So if you ever wanted to see what it really means to build a browser, here's the whole thing. There you go. I presume it's written in C++. That's got to be. Yeah. Make for some fun reading. Yeah, some summer reading. (laughs) Get started now. Get started now.
1: but (laughs) You'll be halfway done by the end of summer. Yeah, that's really cool. Nice find, dude. I had no idea. I didn't either. That's really neat. There you go. I wonder if John did. We'll talk to him about it when he comes on. But uh,
0: Richard, who's talking to us today? I grabbed a comment off of show 875. And that was a show with a guy named John Papa. Who's he that? talking about single page applications. Don't ask me why. Strangest thing. <laughs> uh, and it, it, that's it's a year ago that we did that particular show. Uh And this comment actually comes from Rob Corbett, who has uh, been a long-time listener. Actually. Oh, I yeah. think I've exchanged email with him a few times. He said, regarding what John was saying about debugging with a browser connected to Visual Studio, you do know that if you have the default browser set to Internet Explorer, then you can launch your web app directly into IE and debug the JavaScript in Visual Studio. I, of course, do not have my default browser set to Internet Explorer. And who does? So I use a Visual Studio plugin and extension called the Default Browser Switcher. Hmm. So if you use that extension, you can switch it over to whatever browser you might be, let's say uh, Chrome, and you can get the same effects. Yeah. Also, I did not know about the ko.js Chrome plugin. That's for Knockout. I work with Knockout, so I'll be sure to look into that. Thanks very much to John. And that's from Rob Corbin. Rob, thanks for your info. That's good stuff. i have forgotten all about that particular problem. Yep. And uh, appreciate your thoughts. So a .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, just write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or on any of our mobile apps. We've got them for Android, iOS, Windows Phone 7 and 8, and Windows 8. And those apps are built by Diatom Enterprises. we would love to build you an app? Just go to DiatomEnterprises.com.
1: Hey, you know what this means? What? Tablet show mugs
0: are now coveted. They're never going to be again, right? Yeah. There's maybe right. only 100 or so of them in the world. This is true. That's really interesting. Yeah. Good point.
1: Well, uh, let me introduce John Papa. He's a well-known technology expert and is a former evangelist for Microsoft on the Silverlight and Windows Phone and Windows 8 client teams. John is a Microsoft regional director and author of 100 and more articles in 10 books, specializes in professional application development with technologies including HTML5, JavaScript, CSS, Angular, Durandal, Silverlight, WPF, C# Sharp, and .NET. He can often be found speaking around the world at keynotes and sessions for conferences such as Build, Mix, PDC, TechEd, VS Live, and Angle brackets. John was the host of the popular show Silverlight TV on Channel 9, and hosted many events, including the Mixer and Open Source Fest at major conferences. He currently enjoys authoring courses for Pluralsight. You can always find John at Johnpapa.net or on Twitter at John underscore Papa. Welcome back, John. Hey guys, great to be back. Boy, and you know it's been a while since we had you on. Your your bio was um embarrassingly old. Yeah,
2: you know, it's funny. I I listened to you saying all that stuff. I'm like, you know, I think all that stuff means is that I'm just getting old. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, we're all getting old. We're all getting old, dude. It's happening to us all. I just hope <laughs> we're still spry enough to to jump into the, all of the amazing things that are going on right now. Definitely,
1: you know, we have uh, the benefit of experience. So long as we can not pigeonhole ourselves in any one particular technology, that seems to be the the uh, the trapping of age is complacency. You know, you get complacent and you get comfortable. With technology, and you don't want to move, you don't want to leave, you don't want to change. And I, for one, thrive on it. I thrive on the change. So I, I guess as as long as that's uh, your your outlook, and you take the days as they come, why you you can benefit from your experience as well. Enough of that. So, that what have you been deep, up to, man. John? Yeah let's let's not <laughs> get so deep. What have you been up to? I'm feeling all philosophical these days. I know. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh yeah. You know, it's funny because so much is going on in this world and it, it's a constant uh, set of feedback that I get from people where they're asking about, you know, how to keep up with all this change that's out there. And we always get these kind of comments. But I think it's kind of funny how we've got this kind of bipolar condition as developers where mm. part of us loves the change in technology. We always crave something new and we want to jump right on it. Mm-hmm. But yet we've also got that uh, get off my lawn mentality too, <laughs> where it's like, hey, I've been using this technology for you know three months or three years or 10 years. I don't want it to change. And it's it's really funny how you can have the same conversation with the same person, in fact, maybe even two days apart, and you get both those personalities coming out of there. And uh, it's it's really it's really interesting to me because I tend to fall into that get off my lawn sometimes and uh, hopefully uh, I bounce out of that quickly enough. But it's uh, it's a difficult thing to keep up with the new technology.
1: Well, at some point you really have to, like we said before, put put draw a line in the sand and say this is what we're using for now. And you know maybe a good strategy is to come up for air at, on regular intervals and not just be constantly distracted by the new shiny. You know, but, exactly. But give yourself a regular interval to go do research and make a make decisions about new things. Yeah, sometimes we're looking at new technology, and then all of a sudden, hey, squirrel! Right, nice. You know, look over there, and what's going
2: on? But uh, we can also use that as an excuse. I've heard recently people say that, hey, you know, Angular JS, for example, is just the latest shiny object. It's only been around for you know less than a year, blah blah blah. And the first thing I try to point out is, look, it's been around longer than a year. It's just maybe you've heard about it within the last year. And that's when most of the steam's picked up, but mm-hmm. not since, I'd say, jQuery, really, have we seen a JavaScript library or something in this browser space have as much steam and momentum and popularity mm-hmm. as something like Angular has. Sure. So while there are lots of shiny objects out there, I don't believe in generalities or you know stereotypes like that.
0: Well, and you know, we talked to uh, Scott Allen last week, and one of the things that came around was this idea of, do we know a library is really important when they when they start talking about incorporating it into JavaScript specifications.
2: That's a good point.
0: You know, I I totally buy into this idea that we've been exploring all these different ways to build better and better quality apps to really make the browser into the smart client host. But at the same time, you're starting to see now with they're starting to add these capabilities directly to the browser. Like HTML5 wasn't the end of a road. It's just another phase and they're keeping on going. And, I'm, you know, for the really conservative depth, Who's like? When do I jump into this? It's like, do I wait till I only have to use stuff that's built into the browser? I, mean, I don't think it's there yet, but it's an interesting way to think about it.
1: Or, um, by extension, you know, in Visual Studio, when does when Visual Studio um has jQuery as part of a an ASP.NET setup, you know, or Angular, or Durandal, or whatever, it, does that sanction it? You know, does that mean? Oh, okay, it must be mainstream enough now if Microsoft puts it in their template. You know?
2: Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of things to look at in this entire space and people say, you know, why should I jump on foo? And foo, let's say it's Angular JS right now. Some of it is people jump on it because of the momentum. I mean, quite frankly, a lot of these libraries, it's that vicious circle of if it's popular, other people will jump on it, thus making it more popular. And and to a certain degree, that's what's happened with Angular. But another side of it is just all the support that Google's giving it. But my biggest flag that says, wow, this thing's for real is not all that it's actually the very vibrant ecosystem that's grown up around angular i mean there's full-blown products being built that rely almost fully on angular hmm. that are out there and it's it's really impressive to see how much is going on in this space right now
0: And libraries like uh, ward bell's breeze that that support angular too like now it's an ecosystem
2: exactly and breeze is uh, is a wonderful library and it started off being hey we don't care who you use or what you use and they're still there, you know, front end or back end. You can use whatever JavaScript library you want in the back end. You can use PHP, Node, .NET, whatever. But it's obvious from you know looking outside in at that product that they're putting most of their effort into the Angular world because that's probably where all their customers are coming from. Huh? And didn't you build a library too? Uh, I've built some very tiny libraries. Uh, mostly, I try to stay in the periphery and kind of help people, guide them towards where things are going. Right. Uh, like I've been an advisor on Breeze uh, to some things, but, you know, they they listen to themselves more than
0: me. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't blame them. Uh, War Bell's a pretty smart guy. He's very smart. Interesting taste in clothing, but boy, oh boy, he, he really thinks about these problems well.
2: He does, and he's very practical on it. And there's another product called um, Firebase, which is another product out there. It's a hosting-based solution. And they've got an integration with Angular called Angular Fire which is really awesome. And, and think, one way to think of it is a piece of what it does is basically like SignalR for Angular. Uh, really, it's, it's hosted three-way data binding. So you can have your app up in multiple different clients. And then while you're typing your data binding on your page with two-way data binding, it actually updates it on Carl's and Richard's and John's and everybody's all at the same time. Nice. Dude, that's wild. It's really cool. And it's it, all these little products are coming out of nowhere now.
1: Is that a SignalR thing?
2: It's actually not using SignalR. Uh, I'm not sure what they're using under the covers. I assume it's node based with sockets, but it's Hmm. uh, pretty
0: powerful. That is very cool. Interesting. And again, got to tie to Angular.
2: Exactly. And they have another, it's again, it's a practice like Breeze where it works with other things, but it works
0: really, really well with Angular. Hmm. Yeah. And if I'm a developer and I'm trying to figure out where to put my time, it's like, well, what libraries are people using with this? How do they tie it together?
2: Yeah, and you look at, like, Google Dart, where they've got this Angular piece going into Dart, so the Angular team talks to the Dart team, and you've got Polymer come out of, out of Google, which is basically next-generation web components for the browser, and all these teams are working together over at Google to figure out, basically, how do we push the browser to be a smarter client so we can get the other browsers, Firefox and IE, etc., all moving in this direction, too. Hmm. So I think it's a really a big win-win for everybody.
0: But I've always looked at Dart as, you know, another variation on the idea of CoffeeScript, of building a higher level language over top of JavaScript.
2: Yeah, I kind of think Dart, I'm not a huge fan of Dart personally.
0: Yeah. Uh, I do see it's got
2: its values, but I think of Dart as a cross between CoffeeScript and uh, Silverlight.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure Google's thrilled at that analogy.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's not a popular connotation there.
1: Hey, uh, John, we were talking about this with Scott Allen too. Do you ever get um, you know plain old Windows forms developers coming up to you and saying you know I, I try the spa thing and tried some plural site courses and it's just too confusing and I really want my web forms experience back but I'd like all this stuff under the covers and you know maybe light switch is too high level for me like you know I'd love custom controls and I like putting stuff together but I'd like in the end to to have you know, Angular and JavaScript and all this stuff working with an MVC backend, but I just don't want to program it. Do you ever do you ever get uh, questions like that? I do, from all sorts of various angles. And there's,
2: there were probably seven different great points in there that you just mentioned. And uh, one of the big ones I get right off the bat, and I had this recently at an event, and I can't remember which event it was at, but a gentleman came up to me and basically just said to me, paraphrasing that i loved all your pluralsight courses i love spa i'm trying really hard to get into it but i'm just not getting it can you recommend anything to me to help me just get it Mm. and you know it was a very vague question of that but that's kind of sums up where a lot of people are right now yeah and some people want that i haven't heard too many people say i want the web experience but a lot of the people who are coming at me with that question i ask them what they do know and a lot of them are coming from web forms win forms or even mvc whether it's asp.net or some other platform yeah yeah and they just don't get that they don't know how much of their code which is now on the server they should be moving to the client yep uh, the other angle is the jquery developer the people who switched over to web forms or mvc or whatever are doing a ton of jquery in the client hmm. they're having trouble figuring out okay i'm using angular but how much jquery do i still use and I saw an app the other day where a gentleman asked me this, and I said, well, show me your code. Show me what you're doing and where your struggles are. And he showed me his code, and inside of all his controllers, he had Angular controllers and modules and everything, but inside the controllers, it was basically 90% jQuery. Hmm. So it was just interesting to see that migration pattern and really comes down to, I think, there's a huge opportunity for us to say, look, this is a great, brave new world, but we've got to bring everybody along for this to
1: really be robust. So the tooling and the training... Just has to be top notch. So you're saying inside his controllers was jQuery, and and why is that odd? Do you are you saying that it's not necessary?
2: Yeah, it was basically not taking advantage of a lot of what Angular gives you, right? And he just took a jQuery-based app and wrapped it up inside of a controller,
1: right? So he wasn't using all the directives and things that Angular has. Exactly, he's using what he knew. Yeah, instead of learning. Yeah, and
2: I think that's a very common first step. Sure. We have to figure out how do we make this easier because it's not easy right now.
0: Where do our, yeah, when did our skills become baggage? Well, they've
1: all, there. that's the way it always is, man, right? When there's new paradigms, you try to fit your old paradigms into the new ones. Everybody's always trying to relate. What's this new thing and how do I relate it to
2: what I already know? And it's just our human nature. Right. I spend half of my courses trying to figure out how do I make somebody understand this concept? And when I do presentations, you, I want to make you empathize with me and say, all right, I understand this. I know what this means to me now. And half the time of that is figuring out what what can we relate this to, and uh, how do we get there? Sometimes it's difficult because we don't know how to relate it.
0: Yeah, and, and I think the metaphors, I mean, we're all session builders here. We've all taught and, and are teaching you get in a situation where how you would teach someone, like Carl was presenting, a WinForms guy, how to get into single page applications in web, is has got to be dramatically different than how you'd take a guy who's gotten jQuery to work for him to start working in Angular, even though the destination is the same. Right. Do you have to write a separate course every time? Like, I almost think that'd be feasible.
2: Yeah, I think there's, here's the real thing. And I had this conversation with somebody the other day about, you know, enterprise environments. If you're building something, and forget what the technology is, but if you're building anything for a company that's got fifty, hundred, or let's just even say five developers uh, on the team, if you're working with that and you have to go to each person's desk and explain to them how everything works, right? You've lost already. You need to have something that's just inherently, implicitly simple to understand, so you can get people out of off the ground running. Whether that's some kind of a, a reference material. Or it's a sample app or the tooling that builds around it, all the above. So I think the environment around Angular is the part that's really immature, and we have to really make that better, while the product itself is, is doing very well.
0: Yeah, and I guess the interesting part about it, right? It's like at the same time, you could show them success, but it's not enough to just display an app using this new pattern and say, here you go, do this. It's it's get, getting them to shake off their baggage. Well, you had to go through this. You used to be the silver light guy, dude. Like, How did you shake off your own baggage? Dude, about every two or three years,
2: I seem to change my identity. I'm like a chameleon these days. So, <laughs> it's, uh, it might be time to switch again, right? <laughs> uh, for me, it's a lot of it's uh, just my nature to to move around and to not be resting. I'm always looking for what's a better way. Anytime I figured out how to solve a problem, I'm looking for is there a better way and it's not that what I was using was bad. It's sometimes the environment around me has changed. And that's what happened with HTML5 and JavaScript. The browsers no longer have this vast dichotomy of every browser runs completely differently. Now, the things that we really need in the browsers are pretty much uniform across them all. Right. Yeah, there's some deviations, but I mean, it's not like it was five, ten years ago. Remember remember that hell we used to go through? Oh. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, and I find this interesting. I think Scott said the same thing last week. He's like, I worry about IE9 and above now. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly.
0: I mean, are you in that same place? Is that, that the kind of software you need to build now?
2: That's pretty much it. I still see a good amount of IE8 as well because XP is not gone despite um, many of his r- rumors of his demise. But Oh, wow. That was
0: yesterday. <laughs> this show published on April 9th. And yeah. uh, April 8th is the end of primary tech support for XP. Is that what I that know. noise
1: was? Yeah. Like a million <laughs> screaming voices all crying out. No.
0: I, I honest to God had a conversation last night with a friend of mine I hadn't seen in a few months. And he's like, uh, he, he said, so what does this end of XP thing mean? And I said, how many times have you called Microsoft for tech support for XP? Yeah. And he went, uh, none. You don't call Microsoft. You call the kid down the street. <laughs> yeah. But that's all it actually means. Well, yeah, there's another part, which is the update stuff. Yeah, that that's the big problem. Maybe that's a
2: good thing. Maybe we'll stop getting new updates for that OS. Then.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, they never went past Service Pack 6. Like that's sort of been the X- XP hasn't had a zero day exploit for quite some time. God, knock on wood. What did I just say? hmm mm-hmm. but it's the stuff you load on top of it that's got the the danger mm. so yeah we, you know what will actually start taking xp out is when there finally is a vulnerability out in the wild that means that and xp is not going to be fixed
2: yeah it's a really it's a really interesting space because I mean, you think like angular specifically with xp and ie8 they just made the decision recently just like jQuery to say you know what starting with version 1.3 we're only gonna test for ie9 and up Right. They're, not, they're not actively, unlike jQuery, they're not actively taking out code that won't work in it. But they're saying, you know, we're not going to test for it anymore. It may work, it may not. It's up to you. Uh, if you want to work in IE8, definitely want to stick with uh, 1.2.x, whatever version is the latest these days. But uh, it's not uncommon now for these major libraries to say it's not worth our effort anymore to live in the past. Let's look towards moving it.
0: Right. Enough's enough. But it doesn't have the hate that IE6 had associated with it. Correct. Nothing has I hate that IE6 has associated with it.
2: No, and thank God, I personally haven't seen an IE6 installation in a long time, but I'm sure they're out there still. <sighs> yeah. Well,
0: it's original XP. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, really. Yeah. It goes back that bloody far. So what browsers are you seeing? I mean, IE9 and above. And we just, you know, even the commenter uh, was talking about, you never use IE as your default browser, but we're still making sure we take care of IE9 and above. Is it all Chrome all the time?
2: I see a ton of, like in the enterprise workplace, I see a ton of Chrome, Safari, and IE. Hmm. I really do. I don't see a lot of Firefox uh, in the enterprise browser space. I see a lot of, um, you know, new age uh, guys like us kind of tinkering with that and Chrome. I think a lot of developers use Firefox and Chrome mostly. But, uh, you know, Safari is out there quite a bit because I see a lot of Macs. I see a lot of iPads. Mm -hmm. Right. So people are going to town at the enterprise and these things. And then uh, you know, can't run IE there. And then Chrome is pretty much everywhere. And I've found lately that even in environments where Chrome is not the default corporate browser, people are using it. So they're finding a way.
0: Yeah, and I would think Safari is only relevant as far as the iPads concerned because most Mac users I've met are running Chrome too. Yes, yes.
2: And it's important when you look at that space to say, you know, forget the guys we meet at the conferences because you know they're the bleeding edge and they're going to yeah. install whatever they want anyway. Uh, we're really talking about the average uh, business user that's out there. Not your yeah. mom or dad, but the business users.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and the they kind of, I mean, we think nothing of the idea that we have two or three browsers around. And when a page doesn't render right on the one we're using, you flip to another browser and look. Exactly. Right. And But I don't think regular mortal business users are would even think of that. That would even occur to them. No,
2: I I don't think it does uh, for the most part. And sometimes they'll have two on there and they feel very proud when they've got two so they can switch mm-hmm. back and forth. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: The question is, do they know when to switch? Right. Like, do you have a nose for that isn't right? And that's, you know, a different way of thinking about software. John, do
1: you have a, a wish list for tooling? Like, um, I know that you're one to work around the tools that you have now, but, you know, if there was um, a golden tool out there that did everything that, you know that it possibly could that that would be your divine tool that just worked the way you wanted it to what would it do
2: so i think you know the first place we all look at at tooling and specifically in this javascript and angular world is we try to look to what we know already we've already had that conversation here right Uh, and we look for things that in the past have really helped us and the second thing i look for is what am i doing all the time when i'm writing this code that's a problem it's either error prone or it's monotonous, and you know I'm repeating it all the time. Hmm. And some places that are obvious uh, examples there are just tell me when I type something that's incorrect. Yeah, you know, and in, in JavaScript that's very difficult because a lot of the JavaScript is uh, very loose. So we need to know when what we typed is not the, probably what it's intended to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not even perfect in a lot of the browsers these days. Tools these days, WebStorm is great at it, but it's not perfect. Visual Studio is pretty good at it. Uh, the rest of them are okay. But then you look at things like, all right, I'm building a, an Angular view and a controller. And I'm relating this to what I know about ASP.NET MVC. Hmm. But just being able to go between the view and the controller with a single click. Because it might be in a different folder. It might be named something different. You know, where is that thing that's associated with this? Uh, and then what about the route that's associated with that view? I want to find out when I click on what, what's going to make this view appear. So having tooling that allows us to navigate the code really, really quickly... I think is really important, along with all the fun IntelliSense and live snippets and all the other fun things that we
1: get. Do you, do, we, do you find yourself wanting to work at a higher level?
2: It's not so much a higher level as it is get rid of the stuff that I'm constantly having problems with. So I'm not advocating or leaning towards or wanting in any way to go down like a, a light switch route. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't want that level of um, abstraction. I mm-hmm. like to know what's going on in my code. Yeah. Um, I'm sure for some that that's fine, but that's just not my style. For me, it's more about just get rid of the garbage that I'm constantly stepping and tripping over. Right. Uh, and in JavaScript, there's a lot of it still there and it's not the language. It's the tooling. Uh, we solved this before with C sharp and something I vehemently oppose is maybe vehemently is a bad word, but uh, I really don't agree with is some people are saying, Hey, if we just use TypeScript, we can make the tooling a ton better. Hmm. So,
1: so you, you came from a silver light and a WPF background, what if the what if the experience of building a web app was a lot like a WPF or Silverlight app?
2: So, are you saying maybe having, you know, setting up your HTML and having a lot of the IntelliSense and declarative syntax that, like, WPF and Silverlight have? Right. I think that would be fine. Uh, in a lot of ways, Angular kind of gets us there.
1: Yeah, Angular does get us there, but, you know, now, now it's just, you know, how much is JavaScript divergent from C-sharp? And in terms of what you can, you know, you're not building view models in JavaScript, are you?
2: Uh, You are to an extent. I mean, we've got this controller thing, which has got a view model-ish attitude about it, uh, or personality. And then this dollar sign $scope thing that hangs off it, which allows you to do two-way data binding. So there's a lot of features there that would allow us to get a lot of the features that we had in the tooling with WPF and Silverlight uh, when using Angular. Especially now that they're moving towards web components in, you know, in VNext or in the future, uh, where we're going to have basically tags that are just kind of like directives on steroids in Angular.
0: Hmm. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. The
2: thing I think that's going to really grow in Angular is this need for all these reusable services and components. We've got widgets out there for things like Kendo and Widgmo and all the other great libraries, uh, like Bootstrap even. But what we don't have yet is a library of services that are common out there. So let me toss this at you. Remember sure. the old cab thing that Patterns and Practices put together oh, yeah. years ago at Microsoft? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, great concept. Eh, so-and-so implemented because it was kind of, you know, get everything or nothing. But then they came out with all Prism, which was basically, you know, here's a series of a buffet of features that you want in your app. There's logging, there's data access, you know, caching, security, encryption, basically the enterprise library blocks. What about having something like that for Angular and JavaScript, you know, some kind of reusable industry conventional standard for, Hmm. I need logging. Let me not go write a new one, Hmm. you know, let's just have something out there for it. A logging block. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. And a lot of projects have these things already built in. Like I've got my own versions for my own stuff, but, you know, I'm sure you do too and everybody else does. So why not have something that's more commonplace? Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, that just makes a library, right? Like, it doesn't seem that odd an idea.
2: Yeah, and in, in the Angular world, they be- they
0: basically become injectable services. Right. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy.
1: You know what time it is?
0: Uh, it must be that happy time again.
1: Yep, it's time to minify this intelligent discussion and transform it into three point five minutes of stupidity. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's a hell of a compression algorithm you got there, Miss Franklin. You
1: like that? Yeah, huh? I do. It's actually time to give away a Telerik DevCraft complete collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But before I tell you who the winner is, let's talk about the Telerik platform. It's the only modular platform that combines a rich set of UI tools with powerful cloud services to develop web, hybrid, and native apps. You can develop in the browser, on your desktop, or using Visual Studio using a variety of language technologies, .NET, Java, HTML5, and JavaScript, and PHP. Check it out at Telerik.com slash platform. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Chris Sperry from Cary, North Carolina. Congratulations. Chris. Golf clap for Chris. Nice. He just won the DevCraft Complete Collection from Telerik. That's just about everything they do in one box and if you don't know what we're talking about, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer some questions, and join the fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. Each show, we give away free stuff to one lucky member. We pick at random, and every December, we give away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member, also picked at random. We've done it twice now. Uh, John Papa, if you had $5,000 to spend on technology right now, today, what would you buy? And you can do the Robert Scoble thing and say, I'd just give it to charity. <laughs> ah, no, I don't think I'm that nice. I don't know if I'd give it to charity. <laughs> love
2: it. I'd love to say that, but... <laughs> hey, would it wouldn't be true. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. You know, I'm kind of a watch aficionado. So, I don't know. I'd, I'd probably look out there to see what kind of these new watches they've got, and, you know. Um, these new fangle Um,
0: So, you think like a technology watch, like the Google watch or the, the Samsung smartwatch? I'm thinking more like a traditional
2: technology, like the old Swiss-manufactured automatic watches. Oh yeah, you know, I just I just love the way those things work, and I think it's a great callback nostalgia to where we all came from in this computer world.
0: The last time I actually wore a watch, which admittedly is a long time ago, I got I would become a big fan of the titanium watch, the really light uh, ones with the mechanical movements. I thought they were gorgeous, and I have one sitting around here somewhere, but I couldn't even I can't even tell you the brand anymore. It's been that long.
2: Yeah, I tried one of those recently, a titanium autom- um, manual watch where it's got the automatic movements in it. And it was from Tag. And I tried it on at the store and it was so light, it almost felt plastic to me. <laughs> it was like, yeah. wow, hmm. it's amazing.
0: Well, and, and goodness knows the pricing has nothing to do with the cost of manufacture. You know, they did just their own things. But, you, you know, if you're going to get a watch like that, you want one with the transparent cover so you can just see the workings. hmm they're, they are so so pretty that is amazing it's sort of the last bastion of real mechanical technology
2: it really is and, and these days people even say to me you know why do you even wear a watch john i mean we don't we got our phones we got everything else and uh, you know part of it is part of us just you know nostalgia uh for me at least my side of it but it's also there's times i want to be detached from my phone and frankly uh the watch just gets me there
0: yep you're talking crazy talk mr papa
1: absolutely <laughs> oh man i'm I'm uh, enjoying my time off the grid these days. It's it's really nice. Hey, hey John, what do you think of uh, Scott Guthrie's ascension to uh, his new position?
2: I think that's uh, it's just fantastic. I was actually uh, checking out Twitter today and I caught it through there and then read the articles about it and boy, that's what a well-deserved promotion that he got to. I think executive uh, president at uh, Microsoft. Yeah. He's just done so much for all of us and it actually made me feel really, really happy for him. Um, unlike a lot of promotions you see, it's like, oh, that's nice. But he's such a wonderfully nice guy, and he does so much for our community. And uh, what he's done for Azure has been amazing.
0: Yeah, He really has transformed Azure. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I think you know, their their whole new direction that Satya keeps talking about is mobile and cloud. And it's funny because I've talked with people privately and some publicly that you know I think that Azure is the new OS, I don't feel like Windows is that thing anymore. And and I can say that I don't work there, right? But it's it's web, it's mobile, it's cloud. And I think Microsoft wins if they focus on getting, regardless of the device that you're on, getting people to running off their cloud platform and using HTML5.
0: Yeah, it's true. Well, yeah, and and we're recording this on March 31st. When the and the announcements for build and stuff are just starting to come out, Bill will be over by the time this show's published. But Microsoft hit forty one dollars today, first time in twelve years. Yeah, you know, that's like right. I think people are starting to notice that th- this is the good direction to go in.
1: And and like you said, uh, Richard and I have actually said privately, you know, that uh, you just watch; he's going to rise up the ranks of Microsoft, and and this is when he was running, you know, ASP.net. He just did such a fantastic job um, from a, not only from a technical point of view, but also from a management point of view. He understands the technology and he understands how to get stuff done. And he uh, frankly understands how to win people over to his side.
2: He really does. And, and it's, uh, you know, he's a friend of ours too, and always like Scott and respect him. But the one thing I've always loved about Scott is that He's got a great business acumen. He still has that developer geekness at heart. But when he's talking to somebody, I don't know if you ever noticed this, but it's amazing. People flock around him at the conferences. Mm. And when he talks to somebody, though, he makes them feel like they're
1: the only person in the room. And you got yeah. that
2: right. Yeah.
1: And he just gives them their attention. And he'll stay and stay and stay until everybody has had a chance to ask him a question. And he'll fo- he'll listen to you and sit there and nod and listen and repeat back what you said. Just the nicest person, the most attentive yeah. Really is. And I'll tell you
2: what's been neat for me is when I was on the inside and, and some of the meetings with Scott, he would make comments and references to things that people said to him at conferences a lot. Mm. Uh, so, it's not like he would just, you know, nod your head and get away. It's, it's a, yeah. you know, he was really, he really listens. And it uh, just really impresses me how he's able to take all that information in. Truly remarkable
0: human being. There's a great photo circulating of him right now that is the red shirt but he's got a nice sport coat over the top of it now. <laughs> ah, very cool. Ah, oh <laughs> Executive my. VP, kind of need a jacket. <laughs> <laughs> oh my!
2: But I mean, you look at look at everything that's going on in this space, and you know they're not talking they're not talking Windows, and Windows Phone primarily anymore. And it's it's still there, obviously, but everything seems to be leading towards this. Let's figure out how we can be involved in, regardless of the technology, device, and platform, and and so on and so forth. How do we get a play in all these places? Uh, and really today, what can get you there better than the cloud and HTML5? Yeah. You know, and that'll change. Things always change. But that's where it is right now. And I think that's where the money is, too.
0: Yeah, my own scars that I still wrestle against says this cross-platform thing's never going to work. <laughs> you know, because how many times have I been hit over the head with that problem over and over and over again? Hmm. But I'm starting to really think about the browser as the smart client platform now.
2: You know, I think it's it's interesting, too. I had a chat with somebody today about that cross-plat story and Silverlight 5 and all that. And they're saying, you know, we went down this road before. I said, but yeah, but I think we've learned something. You know, Silverlight 5 and Flash kind of laid the groundwork for trying to get us there. Mm-hmm. National 5 is almost there. But I don't think we need to be right once run everywhere. I really don't i think instead we just need to think about how do we write something and it might be more than one variation of it where they're uh, they're similar enough but they they run in all these places i think it's good enough to have that i don't think we need to have let's write one code base and run in all the places really don't think we need to do that anymore
0: Hmm. well and and you know we've even already talked about this we're cutting the line of we're only going to run on these places we run on ie9 above like we, we are now comfortable setting limits what do you think of um the
1: uh the, the stuff that's going on in the smart client world? I mean the Microsoft's embrace of iOS in the Office world and also uh you know they're they're partnering with Xamarin to uh to uh support C Sharp for iOS and Android.
2: I think it's great. And I think they're just early steps. I mean, those are two pretty obvious steps in my mind and, and many people's as well. I think the Xamarin thing, uh, some of us have been shocked that it hasn't happened all yet already. I agree. Where it's been. The iOS and the iPad thing, I think that was one of the first things we all said is, you know, even when Windows 8 first came out, why isn't Office on here, first yeah. of all? <laughs> and then why isn't it on the iPad? Right. Um, I think that was the old guard, just guessing, at Microsoft, trying to be uh, stubborn about it. But
1: I don't know what your viewpoint is about Office and the source code and the complexity of it, but it seems like that's a big animal. And probably moves fairly slowly, uh, in terms of you know backward compatibility and calm and all of that stuff. Uh, it, that didn't seem like a very agile project to me.
2: No, it it doesn't. I imagine it's a lot of legs to that that we're totally unaware of, and it was mm-hmm. complex. But again, it's one of those things that the market doesn't care how hard it is; they just no, want sure. answers. So. Sure. Uh, Not having an answer in that space for this many years, I think, is uh, is been a detriment to Microsoft. I agree. A lot of money they could have earned.
1: Yeah, but it's you're right. It's good. uh, It's good they're finally doing this. I've been asking this question to just about everybody lately. But you know, do do you think that the culture inside Microsoft is going to change the culture of you know the aversion towards Apple products and uh, you know do you think that they're going to see themselves as a software provider for Apple hardware?
2: I don't think they would admit to that, but I think that's kind of where they're going towards now is it's okay to be Apple or or Droid or whatever. Right. If that's where the eyeballs are and that's where the people are, why fight it? And in fact, Apple is sort of the number two dog now. Android's really where it's at. Yeah. And that's what, what an interesting space that is because Android Mm. is so far out in front. But if you look at the markets and you look at like North America and Europe, I mean, iOS and to a large degree is the leader. For a lot of these and then also you look at in-app purchases and just purchasing apps themselves if you look at a lot of the numbers that are out there on different sites it looks like it's a lot closer to ios being the leader than it is android even though android is by far starting to outpace how much ios is being purchased so it's it's a very strange when you just depending which numbers you look at it's very different answers
1: what do you think is going to happen at TechEd? we're going to see some interesting stuff
2: there I wonder if there'll be any new news by TechEd. To be honest with you, with Build coming out right before it, mm. um, I know I've got to talk at TechEd. It'll be a lot of fun. What are you doing? I'm doing an Angular talk with uh, ASP.NET Web API. Nice. And I'm hoping to use uh, some of the new tooling, but I'm not sure that it'll actually be out by then. So <laughs> we'll see.
1: Is it going to be like a spa talk using all of these technologies, uh, or is it going to be specific to Angular and Web API?
2: It'll be more specific to using Angular and then some of the tooling and then some of the Web API stuff, uh, but mostly it's more advanced Angular patterns uh that are that are coming out. And you know, so I think people have now gotten past the what is Angular and mm. how do I get started. So I've been getting more and more requests for, okay, I've written an Angular app. Now how do I solve this problem or that problem, or how do I make this more reusable and write my code so that when I hire somebody else at Angular, they get it. Yeah. And that's what my talk's to me more about.
0: Nice. Uh, Mr. Papa also agreed to be a judge on Speaker Idol.
2: Fantastic. I did.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to seeing your viewpoint uh, on these this round of uh, contestants.
1: For those who don't know what Speaker Idol is, well, think American Idol. And uh, these are people who want to be speakers at TechEd. So we have contestants that get five minutes to do a presentation, and they have uh, to withstand the wrath of the judges, John Papa being one of them and the judges give them criticisms and pick them apart and then the winners of each heat come back at the end of the end of the week and compete against each other the winner of that goes on to be a speaker at next year's tech Ed.
2: i'm really looking forward to that and you know it's it's really cool for me cuz probably the two most popular talks i've had behind angular lately that i do for folks has been uh, one of the keynotes i've been doing is on readable code which is a form of clean code Mm -hmm. And then uh, another one that I've been doing on speaking and just good patterns for speaking and presentations. And uh, it's interesting to get out of the technology and talk more about, you know, perfecting our craft.
0: Yeah, actually communicating effectively. And I don't envy these guys. A five-minute session is hard. You have no breathing room.
1: Yeah, very good. So what else is uh, on your radar, John?
2: Working on a lot of little things these days. Angular has been a big world of it, but I'm also working in the Node world. and uh, I've actually got a course coming out with Pluralsight on Angular patterns and tips. I'm working uh, as a reviewer on some courses. Jesse Liberty, a good friend of mine, has got a BDD and Angular course coming out that I'm uh, helping out a little bit with. And I've also got some courses on Gulp and Grunt, which are two of my favorite words (laughs) in the JavaScript world.
0: (laughs) So what are Gulp and Grunt? (laughs) Yeah. Come on.
2: Oh, come on. That's a a cliffhanger. We can't tell people what they actually are. (laughs) That's next
1: week's show. I know what Grunt is, but what's Gulp?
2: So Grunt is basically a configuration-based task runner for JavaScript. So you can run tasks. And Gulp is also a task runner for JavaScript, except instead of being configuration-based, it's all JavaScript code-based. So you just write your code. And the one reason I really love it is because it's based upon promises and Instead of having a big config file, I can actually set to break uh, breakpoints inside the code mm. and watch it happen.
0: Hmm. Very cool. And I wanted to bring up something working with Angular that I think people just don't think much about. But this whole idea that you just sort of the back end kind of transparent to you or how, how it's implemented. I mean, you generally think about coming out from a Microsoft perspective that it's an MVC back end. But is anything change when you switch to Node? Does it make any difference at all?
2: Oh, that's a great question because we have so many questions all the time about does it matter? You know, oh, I can't use that with this backend or I can't do right. this here. And it even comes up more so when you're using it like Breeze, which works super well with .NET. Um, people are like, oh, it's a .NET thing. And it's so right. not the case. So like, I took an app that I spent months working on. It was Angular on the client. And then I wanted to go switch it over to mean to Mongo Express, Angular, and Node, that stack. Right. And also running on a Mac. So I couldn't even cheat by trying to run Visual Studio, right? And I didn't know anything about Mongo at the time. I knew a little Node and Express, but no Mongo. And it took us a total of eight hours to convert this app. And this is me with Ward, Bell, you know, doing a pair programming session. Sure. And Mm -hmm. we took less than eight hours to get this entire app moved over to the mean stack. And it ended up changing, I'm going to guess, somewhere between 20 and 25 lines of code in the client. And that was it. And I was just blown away.
0: So, and what kind of changes are we talking about then? Is
2: this a typing thing? It was, uh, most of the changes were with Mongo because Mongo works differently than, you know, a SQL server relational database backend. Sure. So on the client, there were things that, you know, were just foreign to Mongo. So we had to make sure we could actually, when Mongo was involved, do some things differently uh, that SQL server did for us inherently and vice versa. Uh, but as far as uh, running the web server, the Node Express stuff was so synonymous with running, Uh, ASP.NET and Web API, it it was almost irrelevant. Um, It was actually super
0: easy to to run it that way. You don't even notice, really. And I think that's the issue. We're just speaking HTTP. What's on the back end just doesn't seem to matter much anymore. Yeah, it really doesn't. And
2: even things like, you know, Breeze relies upon this metadata information that comes out of Entity Framework. So if Entity Framework is there, it says, hey, tell me about the entities that you're going to be passing up to the client. And it gets that data in a HTTP stream. Well, if you're not using any framework, some people make the, the wrong assumption that it won't work for you with Breeze. Right. Hmm. But instead, what we did is we said, okay, we're not using any framework anymore. I've got Mongo and Node and Express. How do I get that metadata? And we hand wrote some of the metadata. And I thought this was going to be a really painful process with my entities. Again, it, it, it took us maybe an hour to an hour and a half to write that code. And it actually became there was stuff in there that we actually ended up removing later on that Ward put into a, a Breeze lab project up on the Breeze site to make it more reusable. So if I had to do it again, it'd probably take me 15, 20 minutes. Nice. Um, So it was great because he used that for a Java backend and a Ruby backend and PHP and, you know, worked for me with uh, Node. Beautiful. Ward's awesome. He is brilliant, I'll tell you. Yes, he
0: is. Yeah, but I I really appreciate this validation of, you know, you just don't have to get twisted up about this. If if you've got a customer who's running a backend where Node's the only option, you really don't have to change what you're doing if you're handling the client.
2: It's true. And, you know, we tend to like to get twisted up as developers, don't we?
0: Yeah. Well, we, we, we you know, we, we, we've we talked about this whole tribe thing a few times. Like, I want I have a stack. I know how to work with that stack. That stack is mine. This is my stack. And and then when you realize I can switch pieces and the other pieces just don't need to change.
2: Yeah. It's really interesting because back in, I've had a lot of chats lately about PHP versus Java versus .NET versus Node right. versus Ruby, et cetera. And they all have their place. But the whole great thing is by working in this HTML world with JavaScript we can now say I'm not a net developer or a java developer I'm a developer. And right. building with JavaScript and HTTP I can talk to any backend and now our developers across different disciplines are actually starting to talk to each other which is something I haven't ever seen in my career.
0: Interesting. Yeah. And and I feel like we've it's almost time to circle back on the security side of these pieces too just you know, HTTPS is not everything. There's got to be more.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a there's a great set of courses on Pluralsight by Troy Hunt, who's got oh, some yes. wonderful security courses and boy, yeah. it's really illuminating when when you see what he's been doing.
0: Yeah, he's been our guy too on the show, just really lighting up this idea that there's more to be done. But I'd like, you know, now that we're really starting to see this agnostic life where the back end and the front end can be completely different, can we really have agnostic security? that uh, is going to have that same sense of portability.
2: That's a great opportunity for Angular right there too is uh, again another misnomer people have is they say hey angular is great but it doesn't do and the common things i hear are it doesn't do my security for me right. it doesn't handle working with jquery well it doesn't work with kendo widgets well and first thing i say is we'll stop a minute angular isn't supposed to do everything. It does what it does well, and it's letting you plug in the pieces that you want. And mm-hmm. One by one there, the security shouldn't be in Angular in the first place. Right. It should be on the server. You know, So don't ask the client to do security because you're going to get in trouble.
0: But you know, I think you also want the separation of concerns from the perspective of a skill set, too. I like what Google's done in the Angular space, and those guys have clearly focused on how do I make data painless on this web page? Yep. I want another team of people whose sole focus is, how do I make some sophisticated security, some claims-based security, for example, painless? And it stands on its own. And I don't care that you're using Angular or jQuery. or Ed, I don't care what platform you want to use. Go for it. But this security module will work for you.
2: Exactly. It shouldn't be coupled like that. We're, that's the whole point. We're trying to get out of this decoupled world. Yeah. Let Angular do what Angular does well.
0: You know, and we started this conversation on with this. How do we we keep bouncing between, you know, being Mr. Flexible and me and get off my lawn? It's like, oh, yeah, I've been Mr. Flexible, figured out Angular. Now get off my lawn. Angular has to do everything for me.
2: <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> get off my lawn. So, so the question comes back, then why do people do that? Why do they sit there and think it has to do it all? I think part of it is we're coming from places like Java and .NET that do it all. Yeah. You know, they've got everything. Yep. Uh, but, you know, that doesn't always work out great. And that's why these vendors come out with third-party libraries and these, this ecosystem. And,
0: right. Uh, yeah. There's a decomposition here that I, I don't think I quite have a name for yet. But it's like a functional area decomposition. Where yeah, You know yeah. you want those things separate and you want different people working on for different reasons. And, and a good, you know, flexibility or abstraction between them. That, it gets mm. what we're trying. We're getting to this composable model where we can bring in how we bind, how we visualize, how we secure.
1: Boy, would that be awesome.
2: You know, it's an amazingly awesome world right now to be a developer because, or a technologist for that matter, there's so much going on and there's so much change. And it's it's great to take our experience of what we know, and what we know works and what doesn't work and apply it to this new world. But boy, if you're in this career right now and, and looking at what to look into, I think, you know, getting into this space with Angular and with security, and with being a decoupled environment, it's just—it's a great time to be here.
1: Sure is. I totally agree, John. Hey, that's a show. We'll see you at uh, at Tech Ed and uh, Dev Intersection before that. Angular, angle brackets. Yeah, about
2: a week or two. Yep.
1: Yep. All right, my friend. Thanks. Thank you. Always a pleasure. And we'll see you next time on .Net Rocks.